Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and I'm delighted to debut Season 3 of our ongoing series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. We've had such great success, reached such a good audience with some such so impactful information over the past two seasons that we're back with Season 3, and I'm delighted. So we're live today is Tuesday, July 15th, and let's get started. You know the drill. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. The buzzword today is Change and finance. That's a phrase. I know not a word, Bonnie. Here we go. Managing the roles and functions of your finance organization can be challenging, even daunting. You're going to be juggling your compliance complexities while you're managing cash, while you're closing the books, and while you're bus- building business plans. But if that's not enough, you're contending with economic, regulatory, and competitive forces and Add on top of that a layer of the demands of your internal customers. You know who they are. Is there a way to make this all go smoothly? Well, software vendors today are trying to help finance run more efficiently and cope with this constant change and these constant competitive forces looking for a piece of your time. So how's that working out? I have a panel of experts who are going to help us take a close look and see what the status is. So first up, I'm going to introduce to you Rob Kugel. He's the head of CFO and business research at Ventana. Rob sent me the following quote from Robert Frost, and I think this is Mr. Frost's first appearance, as well as Mr. Kugel's. The quote is, never ask of money spent where the spender thinks it went. Nobody was ever meant to remember or invent what he did with every cent. I think this is the first poem we've had on the radio show. Rob Kugel, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine, Bonnie. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for joining me. Love the quote. Let's relate it to our topic, which is innovating for the new finance organization. Go ahead, Rob. Sure. Uh, It comes to mind relative to uh, travel and uh, expense reporting, uh, which uh, had been a huge headache um, and and still is for many people um, because it was a spreadsheet-based system. Uh, that takes up the time of a lot of people, and uh, both in creating these reports as well as going through them and then paying them. Um, about 20 years ago, I first visited uh, uh, one of the original vendors of, of T&E uh, 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 automation, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's when that quote first came to mind, uh, because as a, uh, a road warrior, uh, I was sick of having to fill out these uh, spreadsheets and submit my expenses and, and go through that whole process. Um, <clears throat> so what, what I think um, we need to look back on at this point is, over the last couple of decades, um, the T&E software um, is increasingly in use, uh, especially in larger organizations. And we have, uh, you know, with smartphones and other mobile devices, the ability now uh, to collect all of our travel information uh, very efficiently and uh, be able to pay it efficiently with, with fewer um, you know, man hours spent uh, processing the stuff um, and yet have uh, even better control than we did when we had spreadsheet uh, processes. So the lesson learned, I think, in a very small way is that we have uh, that, that software 
uh, has the ability uh, to be our personal assistant to uh, speed and improve the effectiveness of enterprise processes um, and, and make everybody um, better and more effective and efficient um, through the use of technology. Um, one other point about that mm-hmm. kind of software that I think applies across the board is it was one of the first things that companies uh, deployed in the cloud, software that they deployed in the cloud. And, in fact, um, you go back you know, 10, 15 years, what used to be deployed on-premises were fairly quickly uh, put into the cloud as soon as um, uh, companies using the software uh, realized that uh, not only did it work, but it worked a whole lot better in the cloud. Thank you, Rob. Good overview of our topic. I have a question for you. We talked about technology and how it is seeming to smooth things out. And you mentioned T&E, and I know that would be more on a person-to-person basis rather than big organizational basis, although individuals make up the organizations. Question for you is, is finance open to bigger, broad-brush technology? Just a quick answer, yes or no, because that will be part of our roundtable discussion. What's your POV on that? Sort of. Ah, <laughs> the fence. He's sitting on the fence. Thank you. I love a provocative answer to what I hope was a good question. Good. Rob, we're going to get back to you in a few minutes. Let's welcome our second panelist. It's Renee Ford. She's a managing director in Accenture's SAP practice. And Renee has sent me a very interesting quote from Bill Gates. I don't think this quote has been on the show before. Let me read it. The first rule of any technology used in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. The second rule is that automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. Renee Ford, welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. How are you today, Renee? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, delighted to have you. So talk to me. Wonderful quote. Uh, What's your thought on how this relates to innovating for the new finance organization? Go ahead, Renee. Uh, Well, I just think we see it on so many levels, and I think that um, it may seem very obvious uh, sitting outside of a finance organization, for example, um, but that finance organization never expects it to happen to them when they apply technology to their processes. So I think it's important when um, when a finance organization takes on technology that they don't expect all of their problems to be solved. Uh, Technology is really just one piece of the puzzle. Uh, mm-hmm. The bigger piece of the puzzle sometimes is really the people, and are the people ready for the change that's happening? Are they ready to take on the change, and are they ready to make all of the necessary adjustments to what they might have been doing in the past? Like Rob said, where they were using spreadsheets, that requires a certain process, but using technology is, and automation is a different process. So there, there are many, many things to consider when you approach technology, and while I definitely think that the finance organization is, is ready for technology, um, it's important for those leaders who are looking at technology to keep in mind that there's, there's a long road in some cases and there are a lot of things to consider. Thank you, Renee. Very interesting. And going back to the Bill Gates quote, it seems to me that he's saying the magnifying glass will be held up to what you're already doing. Your business, as usual, may not be efficient, and somebody's going to have to take a long, hard look and say, wow, ouch, did we really do it that way? Exactly. It's just going to make it worse. Would you, you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think it's a, um, I think that's really uh, key, and I think it's 
if, if you go into it with your eyes open, I think organizations can use technology to highlight bottlenecks. And in some cases where they're, where they're really conscious of it, it can propel them forward, right? They're, it helps them un- identify what's not working and what they could be doing differently. Um, but it, it's, it's all having that very open mind versus being caught off guard by something being highlighted, being defensive of something that may be not working as well as you thought it did. Thank you, Renee. And we're going to be talking about who are the right people for this new finance organization when we have our roundtable discussion. Who needs to be the one who is ready? Who needs to be, who, what leadership is required to say we're ready to look at what's not working because it will be magnified? And how can we make the whole process better through technology? Thank you, Renee. Good point of view. Birgit Starmans, welcome back. Birgit is a senior director in marketing for finance solutions at SAP, and she sent me the following quote, which is a little personal and a little professional here from Shanna LaFleur. Interesting quote, it takes an athlete to dance, but an artist to be a dancer. Birgit, I, like you, share a love of ballroom dancing. I am one like you are, and I completely get this. But welcome back, and how does this relate to the topic of the new finance organization? Birgit? Well, thank you, Bonnie. There are actually two reasons I chose this quote. One, I chose a more personal quote because we're also finding that in finance organizations, um, as my other two panelists, colleagues have already said, it's really the people that make up those organizations. And we're finding that these days more people are on devices from a personal perspective. So they're more used to getting information in real time and really trusting to back up even their own personal information in the cloud. So we're seeing kind of a shift in that, in that way. The other reason I chose it is because if you think about dance, you need to have a solid foundation and a solid technique before you can do more creative and advanced choreography. Now, I'm not trying to advocate that we're doing creative accounting or anything like that, but you have to have a solid base in place in finance before you can do some of those more advanced activities. If you're spending all of your time consolidating Excel sheets, as Rob was saying, then you don't really have that foundation of technology that allows you to do the more advanced analysis because you're spending all of your time just running around consolidating. So if you have that foundation, that gives you the ability to actually do some of those more advanced analytics and to become a partner to the business. Going back to our topic of transforming your own finance organization in order to help the business to be more effective and to make better decisions based on really up-to-the-minute information that's available. Birgit, thank you. Are you advocating, are you even going out on a limb and saying we need to clean house in the finance organization in order to bring in all of this so-called wonderful and progressive and innovative technology? Are you going that far or are you just saying we need a little educational transformation and a more open mindset? What do you think? It's, it's interesting. When I started my consulting career back in 1990, we were moving from the big R reengineering, which is really that cleaning house, to the little R reengineering, which is more about streamlining processes. So mm-hmm. I'm advocating more of the little R. We need to streamline. I'm not saying that we need to clean house and get rid of a lot of people because ultimately the systems can give us the right information, but what you're going to do with that information really still requires a person to make those decisions. I do think that some of the skills of a finance organization, there might be some additional training involved because if somebody's just used to doing pivot tables in Excel, that's a different skill set than building effective models to do what-if decision-making, as an example. So I would say I'm not going as far as cleaning house, but I do think that processes need to be looked at and streamlined 
and making sure that you're doing the right things and potentially just upskilling the skills of the finance organization. Thank you. I hear a collective sigh of relief and a silent <laughs> in the audience. I can hear people saying, I'm not going to let my manager listen to this show when it's available on demand. They might get the wrong idea about the big R versus the little R. So we'll keep it at the little R. That's very optimistic. Thank you, Birgit. To my three panelists, I have a really tough question now. You know what's coming. What's in your cup today? Because financial excellence is part of our umbrella series. SAP presents here on the Business Channel called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So, Rob Kugel, you're up first. Tell me a little story. What are you drinking right now, or what do you wish you were drinking right after the show? Go ahead. Well, what I'm drinking right now is hmm, coffee. Uh, kind of dull, but uh, I've been uh, uh, a coffee addict uh, for quite some time, decades, uh, grinding my own beans, making my own coffee in a painstaking way. Um, you know, I, it just keeps me awake. Oh, good. And what's the flavor? What are you drinking today? You must have a little more information for me. Tell me a little more. It's an an East Indian blend, one of my favorites. Oh, okay. A full strength, I assume, high test? Oh, you bet. And do you put anything in it? Any accoutrements? Any sugar or cream or anything? I only do that to lousy coffee. (laughs) What a beautiful answer. I agree. I, I don't know if we're in the majority of the minority. Renee Ford, what are you drinking today? Or fill in the blank. Go ahead. I have a big bottle of sparkling water this morning. Um, It's my absolute favorite, and uh, my husband is not a fan, so any chance uh, I get to have it when he's not around, I definitely take advantage of that. Um, It always reminds me of uh, Italy. Um, I remember the first time I went to Italy and I ordered water in a restaurant, and the waiter asked me if I would like it with or without gas. And... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. I'll yeah. admit that it took me a couple minutes to kind of understand <laughs> where he was going with that. But um, just like it always uh, it, it got a, a laugh from you, it always brings a smile. So um, I enjoy my sparkling water. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That story it was a real gas. We've had some really interesting coffee stories on. Uh, I've done almost 250 shows for SAP in the past three years. This has got to be up there in one of our funniest <laughs> stories. Thank you, Renee. You were a hit. And Birgit, what are you drinking today? Or go ahead. I am actually initiating the hugest mug of coffee that I've ever seen. A friend of mine gave it to me knowing that I'm also a coffee addict. Uh, I'm actually drinking Kona coffee. It reminds me of visiting Hawaii, and they actually have coffee tastings. So you can go and try different roasts. And I actually did a tour at one of these coffee plantations um, on Kona, and they talked about the fact that apparently uh, the more it's roasted, the weaker it actually is, which is very interesting. It's got a stronger Mm. flavor, but it loses some of that caffeine. So I learned a lot during that tasting, and it was interesting because they even took a couple of different blends and mixed them together. Well, this is a little too weak, so I I take a splash of this and a splash of this. So we actually combined different coffee flavors. So I've been getting some of that coffee sent to me on a regular basis. 
What an exciting story. I love Kona Coffee. Thank you. Thank you to the panel for some interesting stories. I'm all smiles here, and guess what? I'm going to take a break. We're going to take a break for about 90 seconds, so don't go too far away. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial. We'll be right back with Rob Kugel, Renee Ford, Birgit Starmans, and I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Of course, we're here with the debut of Season 3 of Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. By the way, if you wonder why we're here on Tuesday, It's because we've swapped places with with the show that used to be here on Tuesdays, and this will be our home for financial excellence for the next 13 weeks, Tuesdays, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So stay tuned for a lot more great information on innovating for the new finance organization. We'll be right back. Brad out. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We are. That's our goal, to impart interesting information, educate you, inspire you about financial excellence here on the series, Season 3, debuting today in a new time slot. And our topic today is innovating for the new, and new is in quotes, finance organization. I'm speaking with Rob Kugel at Ventana, Renee Ford at Accenture, and Birgit Starmans at SAP. We're ready for our roundtable. Guess what? 30 minutes nonstop. I'm sure my panelists have put on their seatbelts because this is going to be a good ride. We're going to kick off the conversation with some notes from Rob Kugel, who sent me the following statement, a little provocative. Rob says, finance organizations, especially FP&A groups, and he'll explain that to me, they remain addicted to spreadsheets, despite the existence of alternatives that would let them focus more time on higher value activities and reduce errors and improve visibility. Sounds like the payoff for getting away from spreadsheets is enormous. Rob, talk to me about this statement, and then we'll invite Birgit and Renee to chime in. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, sure, buddy. Well, I've been using electronic spreadsheets for over 30 years now. I go back to the days of VisiCalc using an Apple II computer. 
And I put this technology among the top five most important advances in business management to come along in the last half century. Um, and that's because it's revolutionized all aspects of running any organization. Uh, but as enthusiastic as I am about spreadsheets, they have their limits, and unless you respect those limits, you're going to wind up paying for it, either in obvious ways. Uh, what One obvious one comes to mind is the J.P. Morgan uh, whale trading uh, incident where uh, faulty spreadsheets used by its trading desk cost it literally billions of dollars, um, or in less obvious ways, by the hours and hours that individuals lose trying to make spreadsheets do things they were never designed for or were only designed to do very poorly, um, or, or the valuable things that companies can't do because they run out of time dealing with the problems caused by using spreadsheets where they shouldn't be used. Uh, we've done an awful lot of research in this area, and, and it bears this out. Companies that are heavy users of spreadsheets, for example, in, in their accounting close, take two days longer on average to close their books than those that use them infrequently or, or not at all. In our business planning research benchmark, almost two-thirds of the research panelists uh, agreed that spreadsheets get in the way of being more effective in their planning processes. Finance organizations also overuse spreadsheets as a reporting tool. Uh, mm -hmm. For routine, repetitive reporting, spreadsheets are the wrong choice because they're time-consuming to update. Um, they usually contain errors, as, and, and there's decades of research to bear that out. And they aren't flexible or capable enough for even moderately sophisticated visual communications. Um, on top of that, uh, you really shouldn't be spending any time doing that in, in a lot of cases. You should have on-demand reporting where people just pull the information they need. Rob, I have a question for you. It's a three-letter word. Why? Why are people still using spreadsheets? You've given example after example after example, the errors and the lack of visibility and the lack of, of easy on-demand pulling of the information stuck in another era. Why? Just quickly, why are so many companies still using them in finance? What do you see? Okay, two things. One is they're really seductive. Um, I can, uh, if I'm trained, even moderately trained in spreadsheets, I can conceive of something and it will happen. And nobody ever really considers the, what happens after that because they're really easy to set up and therefore they're very seductive. But they become a pain to use. And the more people use them, the more times they use, the worse that just gets. But people are here to solve their problem right now. That's what they've got to get done. Second reason is that um, people just aren't aware that there are all of these alternatives and that they are, at the end of the day, really cost-effective. You know what? I buy it. I agree with you. Let's get Renee Ford's POV point of view, Renee at Accenture. What do you see? You agree with Rob on the fact that they really shouldn't be used at the level finance wants to achieve today? What are you seeing from the Accenture vantage point, Renee? Well, I absolutely agree. Um, spreadsheets are, um, they have their time and they have their place, but uh, for any type of, certainly not supporting a financial close, certainly not any type of advanced reporting. I mean, you know, anytime someone says, I'm going to download this report into a spreadsheet, right, it only takes one missed selection parameter, it only takes one mm -hmm. incorrect formula, and hours, even days, I've seen weeks spent investigating mm. why is this different you know we have such a variance from last month what happened 
well, it's because you had the wrong formula, <laughs> right? And it, um, so I think, uh, you know, we want to move everyone back to online. Um, we want those things to be happening um, in in as real time as possible, and as soon as it comes, as soon as a report comes into a spreadsheet, it's no longer real time. You can't make adjustments. You can't um, see all the details behind it. In in a lot of um, systems, you know, everything uh, is connected. So we really want to move for for optimal performance. You want to move people back to using um, an online system, some other tool that just is more powerful uh, than a spreadsheet. So. Renee, have you ever seen a company go cold turkey? And I'll go around the table in a minute on that. Have you ever seen a company go cold turkey? Or is that just like shooting yourself in the foot really, really, really to say, okay, spreadsheets, giving you 72 hours, get all that information into the cloud, use a new tool. We invested in it. Come on, guys and girls, let's stop this nonsense. Spreadsheets will be banned and you'll be out the door if you use them by next Monday. Is that ever going to happen, Renee? Um, I think in very small organizations it has a potential um, mm-hmm. I actually did see it at a client once, um, mm. but it was a very, there were like six people in the finance department. So it was, and they were all fairly um, technology savvy. So it was pretty straightforward for them to do. I think, you know, there, there's a barrier. It's it's uncomfortable, right? Even, mm-hmm. um, you know, even I have things that I'm very comfortable with and things that I'm uncomfortable with. And while I know that I need to advance in technology, it's my job, um, it's still hard. And so I think, you know, the, the cold turkey is a lot to ask, particularly in very large mm-hmm. organizations. I think you have to give them a road to get there. Good point. A plan, and you have to wean them off of it, wean the company. Birgit Starmans, can't wait to hear your point of view on all this. We've covered a lot, but we're really focusing on spreadsheets, the good, the bad, the ugly. How long should they live? Talk to me. Well, um, well I agree with Rob and Renee. I want to add a couple of things. I would say spreadsheets are still around because there's a certain comfort level with them because people feel that they know how to use them. And sometimes in an online system, they, they're not comfortable in knowing where all the bells and whistles are. So that, that could be addressed with a training issue. I would say the other reason that they're still around is that a lot of times people were working in airplanes and you almost have to take information offline if you're doing some traveling. Mm. Now, granted, a lot of airplanes now are offering Wi-Fi services, so it's actually becoming easier to be connected and look at the and work online even while you're in transit. But with so many road warriors out there, sometimes it's difficult to, to get work done or use that time in an airplane productively um, unless you have that information off offline. But I think the other issue that, that we hadn't addressed also is that whole duplication and version control. Because basically, mm-hmm. once you've downloaded something and then you send it around maybe to 10 people, get some feedback, people highlight different things, they make other changes. So I think there has to be some process control around how, how versions are managed. And definitely we can use systems to help with that. I would say Excel sheets are probably never going to go completely away. But I think the more that you can give a finance organization the what's in it for me and you don't have to stay and and look at the spreadsheet until midnight because there's this great new system and that goes back to that whole training issue that I was talking about. If these folks can be trained to make it just as easy to to work with an online system as they feel comfortable with Excel, then I think we've got a shot at at least reducing the amount of Excel work that goes on. Thank you, Birgit. I'm going to ask uh, Rob or Renee, any comments, uh, Rob, on what Renee and Birgit added to the conversation and Renee, what what uh, Birgit asked, answered as well. So, Rob, any f- f- thoughts before I move to another topic? Yeah, the, the 
uh, rule of thumb I apply in this case is uh, if if six or more people uh, are reusing a spreadsheet six or more times, uh, that's where you don't want to be using a spreadsheet. There, there you need to have some sort of a system. So um, I don't think uh, companies will or should get rid of you know, the ad hoc use of spreadsheets, you know, where it's one person or a couple of people uh, just kind of sharing some information, pretty informal. Um, that's, that's an appropriate use of spreadsheets. But if, if six or more people are using it six or more times, time to look for an alternative. I like the formula. Renee Ford, any thoughts on that? I'm sure you do. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's a, a great formula. I might use that in the future, so thank you. <laughs> Uh, Nothing wrong with panelists learning from each other. Go ahead, Renee. Exactly. And I would just echo um, Birgit's comments about the training. I think, you know, like like we said at the beginning, as an organization looks to technology, you need to also look at, look to your people and understand where you want them to be with the technology, what skills they have, and what skills they need to build. And, and then I think you just get so much farther with the technology. Thank you. And guess what? That's a perfect segue into a new conversation thread. And I'm going to focus on something you told me in your pre-show notes, Renee Ford at Accenture. And very much we're talking about people. We're going to segue into people. So let me read this comment and let's have you expand on it. And then, we'll, of course, we will have Birgit and Rob join in. You say, as technology advances and the work, and you put that in quotes, the work, fundamentally changes from transaction processing to analysis of results and predictive modeling, companies need to focus on not just attracting new talent, but also retooling existing talent. And one more comment from from Renee. She says, more emphasis needs to be placed on career progression and growth, even for the lowest level. There is little need for data entry in the digital age. A lot of provocative thoughts there. Renee, where would you like to take this for our, our next conversation? Go ahead. Well, I think as we talk about the new finance organization, it is just a a very different organization in the sense that um, so much of the work can be automated and should be automated. And in order to advance the finance function to a point where um, it's really contributing to the overall organization, not just paying bills, collecting bills, but really um, helping to move the organization forward from a competitive perspective, we need to get away from transaction processing. You know, I can scan a vendor invoice and um, collect all the relevant data. I can build business rules and a system to kick off the payment at the time that the payment needs to be made for that vendor invoice. There's very little interaction that's necessary from a, a person. And um, Birgit talked about the um, the little R, right? Um, mm-hmm. Streamline processes. So the days of um, you know vendor invoices coming in on paper. Um, and sitting in someone's desk while they, t- and then, you know, at some point they type them into a system, those days just, they're, they need to be gone if they're not already gone. And the, the concern that organizations have is that, um, and that I see them struggle with is while they implement the technology to make all that happen, you know, they haven't implemented the processes to make that happen. And so it's a matter of not just looking at what technology do I need to support my organization, but what skill do I need to support my organization? How, how do I want my organization to perform? Where do I want to spend time? And as you automate the transactions, pay, collecting, paying, vendor invoices, collecting customer receivables, 
you can focus on the harder stuff, the stuff that can't be automated, the stuff that can't be done with artificial intelligence, right? It requires a person to say, here's what we, here are the results, here are our financial results. We've closed the books in a day or even less with our technology. And so now where do, what do, where did we really land? What, do, what, do, what is it telling us? What are our financial statements really saying? Um, and then more importantly, what can we do about that as we move forward? How can we change that? And so uh, teaching people how to progress as, as new technology is applied and helping people understand where their role in the organization is going to be. That's where I see a lot of resistance um, with organizations mm. that attempt to apply technology and people who have been there for 20 years um, don't want their job to change. But they don't understand that their job is going to change, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to have a job. And so it's, it's energizing the organization to look to the future and understand how they can contribute in a different way, how they can grow their skills, how they can progress their career through, through the organization as the technology grows and changes. Thank you, Renee. Quick question before I invite Birgit and Rob to comment. My question to you is, as far as bringing new people on board into the finance organization, where do you find them? The, are we talking millennials? Are we talking higher, a little bit older, the, the, the Y generation, the Gen Yers, the Gen Xers? Who are we talking about in terms of the ones who can come in and literally hit the ground running? They know the technology. They're comfortable. They're not stuck in the old processes. Where do you go, Renee? Where do you look? Uh, well, I think that's a great question, and I think you have to look everywhere, and you have to tailor your message. So for a younger generation, they, they will be more comfortable with the technology, so you need to help them understand what's in it for them, right? Uh, um, how, mm-hmm. how can they grow in the organization and what opportunities are available for them once they learn the processes, because they are going to p- tend to probably pick up the technology very quickly. For older I'll call more senior resources, perhaps more experienced resources. You need them for their maturity. You need them um, for for lots of things that uh, that they probably have experience in financial processes, right? They may have worked in in financial organizations um, for a good portion of their working career, and they're less comfortable with the technology. So you can teach them the technology help them understand how the technology is going to advance their career and help them advance their career where they already know the processes and they they can quickly adapt and evolve the process knowledge. They need the technology skill set built up. Some some from column A and some from column B. Thank you very much. Birgit, I know you have a lot to say on this. The people, where do you find them? How do you retool the existing staff? How do you bring in the new ones and make them play well together in the sandbox of the finance organization? What do you observe, Birgit? Uh, I, I completely agree with, with Renee, the whole idea of career progression and looking at the different categories of of. I don't want to call them users, but users or, or financial team members that you have, because I think the communication needs to be different for each one of those groups. Um, I think a huge part of implementing any new technology is really that change management piece. And it's all about communicate, communicate, communicate. Because if you just kind of say, oh, here's a new system, log on, um, as Renee was saying, some folks will be more comfortable and can hit the ground running and others they're, they're almost afraid. I remember the very first training that I did on an SAP system for a group of people. They didn't know Windows, so we were teaching them about the mouse and how to double-click before we even oh. got to the SAP system. OMG. And this, is a, this, 
this was around 93, 94, and it was that generation, and there were some production workers on the floor, and they weren't even used to w- working with windows. And then they had this fear of losing their job. So I think part of that mm-hmm. whole change management is to show that there is a career progression and make sure that there's enough training available and not just encourage but almost require everyone to take mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, here's an icon and double-click. It, it was just completely amazing to me um, that, that that happened. But then the more you communicate, here's what's coming, here's the timeline, here's how we're going to help you, I think that's really the biggest part of an existing finance organization. And also being careful not to you know, basically overload with here, we just hired a dozen new people, because then there's going to be that fear factor mm-hmm. with your existing team members. So while you do need to go out there and look and make sure that you – get those change drivers, and I agree with Renee that you pretty much have to look everywhere. Um, At the same time, you don't want to overload because then you're going to get that fear factor and then you're going to get more of that resistance to change from those team members that have been there for a very long time. And a lot of times they are just afraid of losing their jobs. That's plain and simple. And so the more that they can dig in and only I can do this, only I know this old process, the Mm -hmm. more they dig in. So they really have to be encouraged and it's all about the ongoing communication and just showing the benefits to each individual. And that fear of losing your job if you're entrenched in a company and you've been there a long time is really the personal side of the bottom line. Thank you, Birgit. Rob Kugel, I know you want to say something. Chime in. What do you think? We've covered a lot of ground here. What's yeah, your perspective? The excellent points that, that Renee and Birgit brought up. Let me mm-hmm. just add uh, culture. Um, and I think the six most expensive words in running a finance organization uh, today as years ago is uh, we've always done it that way. Um, you know, one of the things that characterizes the people who work in a finance organization is they're typically people trained in accounting where goodness is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again exactly the same way. Now, that's really still <laughs> that's kind of important, uh, but it, it, because... Uh, as Renee pointed out, we're doing a whole lot less uh, manually in terms of, of these repetitive uh, activities, uh, you know, just getting data in. Uh, we need to uh, begin to cultivate more of a continuous improvement mindset in the finance organization. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we've always done it that way um, doesn't guarantee that it is the best way. And so there are ways, I think, that the senior finance executives can begin to, um, you know, instill this, this thought process. And, and one of the best ways to do that is in the close, um, because, you know, doing a debrief every month or, if you must, every quarter, you know, in the close process, what did we do right, what did we do wrong, what went wrong, go through that and then have that apply to, gee, just about everything else that you do um, in the finance organization. What can we do better? Uh, not, you know, let's stay wedded to the way we're doing it. And I think mm-hmm. that, can hap- that can help with uh, easing some of the, the, the more senior members uh, into a you know, different approach to how they do things. Um, the second thing I quickly want to point out is, is that mm-hmm. uh, even though uh, people in finance tend to be very analytical, uh, the truly inspired analysts are an ingredient that we find uh, often is missing. In, uh, in, in finance organizations, and, and, and that's uh, increasingly important. People who really just have a good sense of, of how to simplify, how to you know, have an elegant view to how you mm-hmm. create models, those people are relatively rare. So if you've got them, you absolutely must cultivate them, and you should be creating an environment where um, you try to you know, improve people's analytical skills. 
you know, often by example, and, but often by, you know, people training each other. Um, so those would be a couple of things I'd add. Thank you. I, I think that that goes back to Birgit's opening quote from Chanel Lafleur, if I'm not mistaken. It takes an athlete to dance, but an artist to be a dancer. Is that where you're going with that in terms of the creativity and the innovation and really wanting to improve things, Rob? Yeah, Are we on the right track? Yep. Thank you. Guess what? We're going to make another short turn here into another topic. We've got about, let's see, seven minutes left to the roundtable segment. It's been going quickly, and I want to thank my panelists for great insights and sharing your expertise. Clearly, you all know know a great deal about this, and that's why you're here. I want to turn to Birgit Strymans at SAP. Uh, Birgit, I was going to talk about how finance, once it embraces new technologies, can be a more proactive player with the business, but I want to touch instead on cloud. We've mentioned it briefly, but I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about cloud in this last part of the roundtable. So let me read a statement you sent me, and then I'll have you lead off on this. You say, finance has historically been more conservative about cloud scenarios than their counterparts on the operational side of the business. But they see benefits for particular use cases, and you give as examples after a merger when you're onboarding an acquired company, or for personalization of processes, and here's the key, without requiring intervention from IT. Nobody wants an intervention. Birgit, talk to us. <laughs> about finance. Yeah, we, we see them on TV all the time. It's an intervention. Sit down. We have to talk to you. So we really don't want an IT intervention. Birgit, talk to me about finance and the cloud. Is it a happy marriage? Is it going to be a long engagement? Are there going to be a party when they say, yes, we really want this? What's what's the current status? I, I, would, I would classify finance and cloud as a medium engagement, medium length engagement, whatever that means. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure they're ready to put everything in the cloud quite yet. Uh, I, I am seeing more and more interest. And Rob mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, time and expense. That's a great example of a point solution where it's easier to put it in the cloud. It's yeah, You don't have to implement a big system. Uh, it's very easy to be up and running. It's usually very easy to use. You can even do it on an iPad or an iPhone, et cetera. So I think for some of these point solutions, it's it's going to be uh, maybe even, to use that analogy, um, yeah, running off and getting married on Hawaii, right? <laughs> <We're> gonna, <laughs> With we're, the we're Kona gonna coffee. Now. <laughs> <We're> gonna <laughs> With the Kona. Now. Right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, but I, I am seeing a lot more interest lately, and some of that whole personalization um, – if you think it's of some of the reporting that's happened in the past, if somebody wanted just one or two additional fields, very often that meant that you have to go to IT, and then IT has mm-hmm. to create another version of that report. And then all of a sudden you've got so many different variants of the different report because this department or this manager wants these two extra fields. Somebody else wants a field taken away but wants these two extra fields. So you end up with one standard report, and all of a sudden IT is managing dozens of different versions of the same thing. So one of the advantages um, in a lot of these cloud solutions is that they can be very personalized. They were created really for the browser and devices first. So that whole personalization is built in. So if I want to move a KPI from one place to the other, if I want to add a different field, I don't have to make a request to IT, do a business case about why I need a report that have that has two extra fields on it. Then IT has to find some time in all of their server maintenance to actually go do that and then come back. And I'm sure IT would like to be providing better value to the business versus managing all these variants of these reports. So the benefit there is... IT has less to manage and can also provide more value, but the finance team members are getting the information that they want more quickly without having to wait. And that, to go back to our beginning topic, 
might actually help us eliminate, well, not eliminate, but reduce the amount of spreadsheets that we're using because you can have that personalization and because you don't have to wait for that personalization before you can actually go ahead and use that report. Great perspective, good information, and thank you for the reality check on IT interventions, Birgit. Rob Kugel, do you want to chime in on this one for about a minute and a half? Sure. Uh, We've uh, been tracking this for for several years now, and while the needle is uh, moving uh, toward finance being more accepting of cloud deployments, um, they still lag behind uh, just about every other uh, part of the organization. I think there's a, a, a reticence there because uh, they're afraid of, of the information being out there. They're afraid of it being hacked, of you know, security. And uh, I, I you know, personally think that there are uh, plenty of instances where um, on-premises is the right choice. I don't think there's, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know it's either got to be A or B, cloud or you know, on-premises. In fact, I think in, in the future, uh, what finance organizations are going to have is a very hybrid model, uh, even within, you know, certain kinds of applications. Uh, but what I think most folks in finance don't appreciate is that um, is, is how insecure their on-premises uh, deployments can be, uh, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, insider jobs um, are uh, the main source of vulnerability in in in, in these cases, and, and somebody with a 64 gig uh, hard drive, uh, thumb drive, uh, can go in and steal all the information off of ne- they need off of a server in a matter of minutes, um, and those cost what you know 30 or 40 bucks these days. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot more internal vulnerability. And uh, there's a whole lot more security having your systems out in the cloud uh, for disaster recovery purposes because they're all backed up there. You on-premises may not or not really be. So um, I, I think it, you know, finance is going to be moving more and more to the cloud. They're just kind of slow, but I think they'll see the light. And, uh, and you know, finance has got a hybrid cloud future in front of it. Good to know. Renee Ford, closing thoughts on this topic before we go to break? Um, well, I would just agree with uh, Rob and Birgit, and I, I think, you know, the movement to the cloud, it, it's understanding what the cloud means, right? So we just moved from green columnar paper to Excel sheet. <laughs> so um, it's kind of that next step of understanding what does it really mean to have information in the cloud or available in the cloud? What are the benefits and and how do I protect it? And if it's in the cloud, doesn't it mean everybody can get to it? So I think it. I think organizations definitely will move there, but it will. It. it I think it will be slower, um, for sure. Okay, good. I guess I am ready to take a break. I'm going to give my panelists some time to regroup because we're coming up to our closing segment, which is the crystal ball. So I'm going to ask Rob Kugel at Ventana, Renee Ford at Accenture, and Birgit Starmans at SAP to go out into the garage or the attic or the boat shed or the trunk of the car or the basement, wherever you're keeping it. I know you each have a crystal ball there somewhere. I want you to polish it off and take a deep look in and go ahead Let's go to the year 2020. That's my favorite because we know that's hindsight. So if we all met again, the three of us, four of us, and I hope we do, in six years, but I'm getting ahead of myself, what would you be saying about how the finance organization has innovated? Will we be going through another cycle of time to innovate for new finance organization? Will they have accomplished everything the three of you have been speaking about? What do you see in the crystal ball? So we're going to take a break. I'm Bonnie D. 
Graham. This is Season 3, Episode Number 1 of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. I hope you're all taking notes. A lot of great practical information from my three panelists, Rob Kugel at Ventana, Renee Ford at Accenture, Birgit Strymans at SAP. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss this. Brad out. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Yes, yes, yes. And we'd love to see some tweets from, I hope our panelists will tweet after the show and from our listeners. You can always catch our attention at hashtag SAP Radio. You know how to find us. We're talking today about innovating for the new finance organization with Rob Kugel at Ventana, Renee Ford at Accenture, Birgit Starmans at SAP. So let's get started with the crystal ball round. I'm going to turn to Rob Kugel first. And Rob, Six years. Can you go out to 2020 or do you have another favorite year? And what do you see that will happen to the finance organization in the next, you tell the, tell me the time frame. Go ahead, Rob. Well, I, I like 2020 because it's great for hindsight, but I'm, you know, predicting the future is hard. Um, and, Fair point. And I guess the answer really is, you know, do I want to be uplifting or do I want to be accurate? Because if I want to be <laughs> uplifting, I'd say that within, you know, five, six years, We'll have seen a significant change in how finance organizations operate. I mean, certainly the raw material is there, the technology is there uh, to enable uh, finance organizations to, to, you know, really up their game. Um, and, you know, as a result, they can play a more strategic role in their companies. Um, they'll have uh, switched from using spreadsheets, as we were discussing, where, where they're not the right choice. Um, they'll have uh, automated their clothes, uh, instituted a, uh, 
uh, a continuous improvement culture around that close. Um, uh, they're also going to be doing other things that uh, we didn't talk about. Uh, so one of the uh, more obscure areas of finances is, is in taxes, and, and particularly income mm. taxes, direct taxes. Uh, the software is available now to, uh, for, you know, certainly for companies that are uh, a half a billion in sales or more, to, to really automate that tax provisioning process and to have a tax database of record. I don't want to go, I can't go into detail here, but that's really, really mm-hmm. important, something uh, that's only just become possible. Possible and feasible. Um, they're going to be spending more time in, in, in the planning and budgeting process on what's next rather than talking about what just happened, uh, you know, what's the variance, what's the reason for it. You can get through that pretty quickly, but now you'll be able to focus more on what do we do next and what are our alternatives and what are the consequences of doing those things and, and doing more what-if planning in a uh, uh, very detailed and and not just financial sense, but also uh, enabling the rest of the organization to think in terms of, of, of the actions they have to take. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's there's plenty of, of, of scope for technology to to really improve finance and and the rest of the and and its contribution to the rest of the organization, but. Unfortunately, uh, I'm a bit of a realist, and I expect uh, mm-hmm. that the inertia is going to keep things from changing much at all. Um, now, where it's going to be able to change is it, it, it very much depends um, uh, not just on the CEO, but also the CFO, and to some extent even the controllers of the organization, reimagining how things are supposed to work, of thinking about you know, what should we be doing differently, not we've always done it that way. You know, so much of what we've been talking about, though, is so far behind the scenes of what most senior executives are thinking about um, that they can't see the connection between people and technology and their ability to successfully manage the business. Um, I think the evidence is there, so it's a little puzzling to me because technology has, has eliminated the need for layers of management. Birgit brought up, you know, the big R re-engineering. Well, mm-hmm. what it, we've seen in the last, you know, 20 years is the efficiency of the finance organization um, has doubled. You need, you know, half as many people per dollar of revenue to run a finance organization. Um, you know, and, and we've done uh, analysis and, and others have done extensive analysis on tens of thousands of businesses around the world that show that, you know, using performance management and particularly using software uh, to manage performance really does work, really does improve the effectiveness uh, of an organization. So there's plenty of evidence out there. Um, there's a real possibility that this can happen. It's probably going to be painfully slow, just as it's been for the last 10, 20 years. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate that. I can give about 90 seconds to Renee Ford. So we have 90 seconds for Birgit Strymans. Renee, what do you see in the crystal ball? Talk to me. Well, I see uh, organizations with really innovative leaders being at least on the road to, if not fully there, um, two things. First, uh, reduc- significant reduction in transactional processing. So whether mm-hmm. that means shared services or even outsourcing of any type of transactions, you know, kind of going back to the, the 90s when it was uh, what's a company's <coughs> core competence, paying vendor invoices is not a company's core competence unless mm-hmm. it's a vendor invoice processing company. And so let somebody else do the work. If you can apply rules to the work, the work can be automated let somebody else do that for you, and instead focus on how the finance organization can enable the company 
to be more strategic, more competitive. So helping other organi- other organizations within the company understand um, what the impact will be, helping them with what-if analysis, right? Bringing finance to the traditional non-finance organizations, um, maintenance, uh, production, research and development, help them understand where the decision, how to make the best decision based on um, modeling and predictive analytics to understand the impact of the organization. Thank you, Renee Ford. And Birgit, I saved just about a minute for you or a minute from the end. So I'm going to give you 45 seconds and I'll take the last 15. Go. I think that finance is still going to continue to be slower to change. But as, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, as the different team members in finance become more used to even using technology in their personal lives, nobody thinks twice about storing up, storing their own finance information or personal information in, in the iCloud um, and people doing online banking. So I think that kind of a culture is going to start accelerating the change, maybe not by 2020, but I do think that uh, there's going to start being an acceleration of the acceptance of those kinds of technologies. Uh, and definitely that finance is going to be spending more time talking with the business. We're already seeing in some cases that IT starts reporting to finance. So you know, finance is becoming increasingly important because almost everything that you do has a financial implication associated with it. So, again, getting finance um, talking and collaborating with, with others and being able to provide those answers more quickly, not going back, spending a lot of time on Excel sheets, but, you know, they're going to need that technology in order to become that more effective partner to the business. Many of them already see themselves as being strategic, but they can definitely be more strategic and more involved when it comes to future decision-making about the direction of an organization. Thank you, Birgit. We're out of time. I want to thank Rob Kugel at Ventana, Renee Ford at Accenture, Birgit Starmans at SAP. Wonderful to speak with all of you. Tomorrow I'll be back on the Business Channel at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific with Coffee Break with Game Changers. Topic will be the Industrial Internet Part 2. And tomorrow I'll tell you about all the great shows that are going to be debuting the second week of September. I'll be on the air five times a week with seven shows. I know you can't do the math as long as I can. It's okay. This is Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.